Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. When we study any Rashi comment, we must always remember that there are two necessary elements that must be analyzed, the technical element and the content element. The technical element, once we get beyond the simple translation, is primarily involved with one question. How did Rashi derive his comment from the simple meaning of the Pasuk? It is not merely enough to note that Rashi is quoting from a Gemara or Midrash, because Gemara and Midrash often interpret Psukim beyond the level of Pshat. Rather, there must be something in the simple meaning of the Pasuk that bothered Rashi and forced him to make his comment, which he sometimes borrows from Gemara and Midrash when those sources stick to the level of Pshat. The content aspect is where we attempt to understand the philosophical, ethical, and spiritual meaning of Rashi's comment, and if it seemingly contradicts the meaning of another Pasuk or another Rashi comment, we must find a resolution. Let us examine both the technical and contact aspects of a Rashi comment near the beginning of this week's Parsha, Parsha Shalach. In preparation for the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, Moshe sends twelve spies to gather information about the land. Among them is a leader from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea bin Nun. After the Torah tells us the names of all the spies, it concludes, These are the names of the men that Moshe sent to spy on the land. And Moshe called Hosea bin Nun by the name Yehoshua. In other words, Hosea, the son of Nun, is none other than Yehoshua bin Nun, Moshe's trustworthy disciple, about whom we have already read in several passages in Sefer Shemais, and in last week's parsha, Baaloischa. Rashi comments on the name change. His palelalov ko yeshiacha me'atzas maraglim. Moshe prayed for him, for Hosea. May God, yud Hey save you from the evil counsel of the spies. Rashi is, Rashi is telling us that Yeshua's original name was Hosea, but Moshe changed it to Yeshua before he sent him to the land of Canaan with the other spies. The name Hosea is from a root which means salvation, but Moshe added a Yud from Hashem's name to convey a specific prayer that Yeshua should be saved by God from the evil plots of the Meraglim. First, let us consider a technical question. How did Rashi know that Moshe, already at the beginning of this narrative, was concerned that the Meraglim might engage in nefarious plots to discourage B'nai Yisrael from entering the land, and that they might involve Yeshua in their plots? From a very simple, straightforward reading of the Parsha, it would seem that Moshe Rabbeinu had a mission for these Meraglim, and if they would have done it correctly, he would have said thank you, and the Jews would have, in short order, entered Eretz Yisrael. It doesn't seem that Moshe Rabbeinu in any way suspected them at the beginning. However, the answer to this question lies in the second Pesach of this Parsha. The first Pesach is merely 
not merely, but the first pasuk is Vayadabar Hashem al Moshe Lemor. Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, and now the second pasuk, Shlach Lecha Anashim, send Lecha for you, men, Vyasuru Eretz Kanan, and they will spy out the land of Canaan, Asher Ani Noisein Livnei Yisrael, that I am giving to Bnei Yisrael, etc. So Rashi comments on this expression, Shlach Lecha, send for you. As if the purpose of sending the spies is somehow for the benefit of Moshe Rabbeinu. Rashi says, Shlach Lecha, Lidatcha, send them according to your opinion, meaning send them because you want to send them. Ani, I, Hashem, any mitzvah I am not commanding you to send them. Im shlach. If you want, send them. Now why is Hashem saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you want, send them? Why did Hashem think that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to send them? Says Rashi, L'fisha bo Yisrael, because the Jews came to Moshe Rabbeinu, for Omru, and they said, Nishlucha anashim lefaneinu, let us send men in front of us to spy out the land. How does Rashi know this? He says, as it says in Devorim, where this story of, of the Meraglim is repeated, it says there, You all came close to me, you all approached me, and you asked me to send out Meraglim. Says Rashi, Moshe consulted with the Divine Presence with Hashem, Omar, so Hashem said, I said to them, I promised them that Eretz Yisrael is a good land. Shenemar, as it says back in Sefer Shemais, I will bring them up from the poverty and the suffering of Mitzrayim, and I will bring them to a good land. I swear upon their lives, I am not going to give them a place, an opportunity to err because of the words of the Meraglim. I'm not going to force you, I'm not going to command you to send out Meraglim who might possibly come back with a discouraging report. In order that they should not inherit it. So therefore, if you, Moshe Rabbeinu, feel that this is a necessary step, you have my permission to do it. Rashi continues this thought on the next Pasuk. It says, Vayishlach oisa Moshe mimidbar paron al pi Hashem. Moshe sent, them from, sent out the Meraglim from Midbar Paron, from the wilderness of Paron, al pi Hashem, by the word of Hashem. And Rashi says, al pi Hashem does not mean the way it normally does, that Hashem commanded him to do this, but rather, says Rashi, Birshu Sai, with the permission of Hashem, Shaloi Ikev Al Yadai. Hashem did not stop Moshe Rabbeinu from doing it. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave Moshe Rabbeinu permission that if Moshe Rabbeinu wants, he can send out the Meraglim, but he is not going to command Moshe Rabbeinu to send out Meraglim because really it's not necessary and there's a danger in sending out Miraglim, they may come back with a discouraging report. So here we see the answer to our question, that yes, Moshe Rabbeinu, even at the very beginning of this narrative, was concerned that the Miraglim might engage in a plot to discourage B'nai Yisrael from entering the land. HaKadosh Baruch Hu warned him of this, and therefore we can understand why Moshe Rabbeinu 
prayed for Yeshua that he should be saved from the plots of the Meraglim. Let us now discuss a content question on this Rashi. Rashi tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for Yeshua, Ko Meraglim. May Hashem save you from the evil plots of the Meraglim. We know now why he prayed for Yeshua. We know why he was concerned about this matter. But the question that the commentators raise is why did Moshe Rabbeinu pray for Yeshua and he did not pray for all of the other Meraglim? Moshe Rabbeinu at the time, at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu sent out these Meraglim, Rashi says they were kshedim, they were good people, and their intentions were good. So why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu pray for their success as well? The Mefarshim offer a variety of answers. I would like to present my own as follows. First of all, I would strongly suggest that Moshe Rabbeinu did in fact pray for all of the Meraglim. It seems inconceivable that Moshe Rabbeinu would send out these, these 12 men on such an important mission. It seems inconceivable that he would not pray for them during the time that they are away. For surely, a person like Moshe Rabbeinu would be davening for the success of these Meraglim. But, but however, the tefillah that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for Yehoshua was a very special tefillah. It does not say in the Pesach, Vayispalel Moshe. It says, Vayikra Moshe Loheshea ben Nun Yehoshua. Moshe Rabbeinu changed his name and he took a Yud from the holy name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he managed through his tefillah to insert that into Yehoshua's name. He performed a Shinoi Hashem, a change in Yeshua's name. And in that new name, he imbued into the very deepest levels of Yeshua's soul the Koyach, the ability to guard himself and not be trapped by the plots of the Meraglim. We know that a person's name contains within it his essence, at least to some extent. It is said and explained in Svarim that when even when ordinary parents name their child, there is a little bit of Ruach HaKadosh, there is some sort of divine inspiration, and they are guided to give a name to the child which in some way expresses that child's essence. They may not be aware of it, they may not understand it, but in fact, the child's name indicates the child's essence. Certainly, when a person like Moshe Rabbeinu makes a conscious, conscious decision to change the name of his trustworthy assistant, Hoshea, and Moshe Rabbeinu decides to call him Yehoshua, that is not any, that is not a regular sort of tefillah. Tefillah itself is very powerful, but this is something extra powerful, where he was changing or adding to the essence of Yeshua. Now, very nice. Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu do this for all of the other Meraglim? He could have changed their names and inserted and imbued into their names this ability to carry out their mission in the most appropriate and best way. 
But I believe the answer is because in order for Moshe Rabbeinu to accomplish this Shinoi Hashem, this change of name in Yeshua, and this change or this addition to Yeshua's essence, that he could only do for Yeshua. Because Yeshua, as we will see in a moment from a number of proof texts, Yeshua was a person who clinged to Moshe Rabbeinu and was misbattled. Yeshua was a person who subjugated his entire being to his, to his mentor, to his Rebbe, Moshe Rabbeinu. We see in Parshas Pinchas that when Moshe Rabbeinu knew that his time on this earth was close to ending and that he needed to find a replacement for himself, so he spoke to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu to please appoint an Ish Al Ha'eda, to appoint a, uh, a person to be in charge of the congregation. And Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Kach lecha es Yeshua bin Nun. You should take Yeshua bin Nun and appoint him. Rashi explains over there that why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu choose Yeshua to be the replacement for Moshe Rabbeinu? Rashi says, Kedaihu Yeshua lito schashi mushay. Yeshua is worthy for this appointment because by becoming the next leader of Klai Yisrael, he will be taking the reward for his shimush, for his service that he served Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeshua never moved from the tent where Moshe Rabbeinu held court. And Rashi says, this is what Shlomo HaMelech says in Mishlei, the one who guards his fig tree will eat from its fruit. You get what you pay for, so to speak. You are rewarded according to the work that you invest in a task. We see from here that Yeshua was mevatel himself to Meshe Rabbeinu. He subjugated himself. He invested all of his energy in serving Meshe Rabbeinu. We see in another place, in a medrash, which is here quoted by the Mizrahi, the commentator on Rashi. The Medrash Rabbah says as follows, Yeshua Harbe Shereska. Hashem said to Moshe, Yeshua is the man to be your replacement, because Yeshua has served you very much. And he has given you a lot of honor. He used to come early and stay late in your Beis Avad, in your assembly place, in your court. He is the one who arranged the benches. And he's the one who spread out the tablecloths or the uh, the cushions where people sat. And because he served you with all his energy, he is worthy that he should now be the leader and serve Klal Yisrael. Another text is in Parshas Kisisa. The Pasuk says, Umasharsa Yehoshua, Moshe Rabbeinu's Mishares, his servant, Yehoshua ben Nun, Nar, he was a young man, Lo Yamish Mitoicha Oihel, he would not move from Moshe Rabbeinu's tent. Our Chachamim say in the Gemara, Mesech Tzmura, Davtez Zion, Bishoa Shenifter Moshe, 
when Moshe Rabbeinu was about to leave this world. So Amarloi, he said to Yeshua, he said, Yeshua, ask me any doubts that you have, any matters of Torah about which you are doubtful, you're not sure, ask me. Amarloi, Yeshua said to him, Rabbi, my master, did I ever leave you, even for a moment, and go somewhere else? Didn't you write the following about me? His servant Yeshua never left the tent. I don't have to ask you about things that I am doubtful about. I always was there listening to you. Furthermore, we find in Parshas Pinchas that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu V'nasata mehoidcha alov You should give from some of your glory you should give it to Yahushua. How exactly that's done is for another time. But Rashi says on that Pasuk V'loi kol hoidcha It says mehoidcha You should give of your glory to Yeshua, but not all of it. So Rashi says, we find ourselves learning as follows. The face of Moshe shined like the sun. The face of Yeshua was only a reflection. It was like the shine of the moon. Now, it is true that this Pasuk is uh, limiting the greatness of Yeshua, as compared to the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. But we see here that what was the greatness of Yeshua is that he was a reflection of Moshe Rabbeinu, that everything about Yeshua was a reflection. Just like the moon has no light of its own, it merely reflects the light of the sun. So Yeshua was completely subjugated, completely butel to Moshe Rabbeinu, all the greatness that Yeshua had was merely a reflection of the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, from all of this, from all of these texts, we see that Yeshua was absolutely and completely mevatel himself to his Rebbe, Moshe Rabbeinu. And it would appear that only such a person, only for such a person, could Moshe Rabbeinu change that person's name and imbue him with a new essence, an essence which is immune to the plots of the Miraglan. It's only such a person that Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, had the control over to, so to speak, quote-unquote, to manipulate and to imbue with this power. The other Miraglim, although when they were first sent out, they were good people, they were tzaddikim, but they were not totally bottled to Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe, they, Moshe Rabbeinu could not accomplish such a change of essence for them. It was only for Yeshua that this was possible. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, we can assume, did pray for them, but that prayer was not as powerful as the prayer that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, performed for Yeshua. Because for Yeshua, who was completely bottled to Moshe Rabbeinu, so Moshe was able to imbue Yeshua with new capabilities in his personality, in his neshama, 
and Yeshua, in fact, was able to resist the plots of the Miraglim. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.